Here at BBCT, we are listener-supported. We may not be suitable for younger or more sensitive listeners. Listen at your own discretion. Enjoy. Welcome back, boozers. Hey there, boozers. Episode four. We are at episode four. We're slowly but surely crawling to our uh, double digit episode. Yeah, crawling. <laughs> crawling to it. We're just crawling our yeah. way over there. Um, um, yeah, we're super excited for this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, for I'm the most part. super excited. I mean, I think you are too. No, but, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's just. Uh, this week, we're bringing you aliens. Aliens. Okay. And that's Jesse's favorite, <laughs> not so favorite thing. They're so fucking scary. The whole, I don't know. That's just since I was a kid. Aliens. What, okay, so do where does this deep-seated fear of aliens come from? Because this, I don't know, this is something that ever since I met you, it's it's been uh, a problem. You hate aliens. You don't hate them. You're just very no, scared no, they're just of terrifying. them. I've just, I think maybe... I was probed, and I don't know about it. That's like, what yeah. I think, too. I think you were secretly whisked away, mm. and you just blocked. Whisked like they're just like... A... Yeah. <laughs> I just and... picture like a romantic alien, like, <laughs> showed me a good time out on the town. He was like, look, sweeping we're not you, that bad, and I'm all, okay. Sweeping you off your feet. Yeah. Showing yeah. you the town from their saucer. Yeah, because I never said it was like a, like a probing without, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I was kind of into wind, it at the time. Wind and dine. Yeah, maybe I was <laughs> having a good old time. Maybe he was a great guy, but maybe, uh, maybe. he just never called again. <laughs> never called again. I think that's what it is. I'm just oh, upset. I know that it's too. just a... I know that too often. <laughs> that feeling. <laughs> no, they're just. I don't know. It's big head, big eyes. They're just. They're so lanky and like. I'm lanky, but so like, they're like I you. Picture... Is that it's like looking at? Yeah. Here? Well, I that... you know yeah maybe, but it's. <sighs> everything about it man and signs remember signs oh my gosh if you didn't have oh see jacks remember signs and he was like Mm. listen that part was scary he knows if you didn't have a deep fear of that one part in signs if you don't know what i'm talking about then clearly you've either never seen it or you just you know if you have seen that movie and you weren't scared of that one, by part. That one part, you're a psychopath. Um, I was reading somewhere online. Someone posted something about signs and they posted the, the it's behind. And mm. I was like, oh, my God. And then someone commented on it and was like, you guys are all you guys are all fucking stupid. Like, this is not scary. Mm. I don't know why you guys think this is. I was like, what's wrong with you? You psycho. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that. For sure. Will always stick with me. The lurking out of the bushes. M Night Shyamalama Ding Dong struck fear into the hearts of many people with that film, and I was one of them. But I was already like I was scared of aliens before then, too. right? So, so yeah, um, signs. <laughs> and like I said, like it, the whole they're super interesting, and you know I'm a giant X Files nerd and. I love like alien films and stuff, but it's just still scary. It's still a very real fear. I'm going to switch gears really fast. I'm getting some stuff on Instagram about um, 
some people are just kind of being funny, but they're commenting on like, where are my, where are my posters? Where are those flyers at? Mm. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, we recently posted an IG TV post, mm. which is an Instagram like live TV post. And we talk about our first ever giveaway that we're doing. Yay. Yeah. Giveaway. Gifts and stuff. We're, Gifts we're and up. stuff. We're getting there. So we recently just uh, decided to do merch. Mm-hmm. And shout out to the Royal Threads on Instagram. If you haven't seen that Instagram page, go check them out. Super she, sick stuff. She makes all the coolest stuff, especially if you're into Disney. Um, she makes all the coolest Disney stuff. So she helped us create our newest logo, which is also on our Instagram page. And yeah. a huge thank you to her for that. So with that, I would go head over to our instagram live post that we did was it saturday i believe it was saturday on saturday and we talk about our giveaway we're doing two prizes like Mm. two little giveaway packages you'll get some merch from us and then you'll get another little prize in there and you want to go around to our favorite places like i said in the video that we posted i said that we would be giving away clues to where some of these favorite places are. Yeah. Um, and then you go, you find these flyers, you take a picture of them, and you post it on your story and you tag us. Now, in order to be considered for that uh, prize, you must like our newest Instagram post, which is the instagram post with the newest logo and it has the giveaway details on it and then you have to tag a friend so tag your friends that Mm -hmm. way you tell them about us and our podcast and then find these flyers that are posted around they're going to be posted around the inland empire now if you're not located here in california or the inland empire area you're more than welcome to try to call around to our different favorite places that you think that we might venture to and go to and ask if they have a flyer of ours and if they do then you can either write it down and then write us um like hey i called this this place and they said they had a flyer of yours and then we'll also accept that um and then we'll send you guys a prize there's a first prize and a second prize the first person to send us three flyers and post and tag us that's like the the big winner right the big winner and they get the first prize and then the first person to send us at least one flyer and post and tag us we'll get the second prize so we're (laughs) band-aid gets a trip on the alien mothership so yeah go ahead and check that out go to our instagram which is bb underscore ct podcast our twitter is bbct podcast and then our facebook is just barks brews in a casket for two i'll be saying the social medias at the end of the episode as well so go check that out and win some stuff from us we want to give you things so yeah yeah that's hook it our, up. Our newest, a... our newest pup date. Pup date. I like that. Pup date. I like pup that. Date. That's, that's... It's our newest pup like date. Okay. Um, okay. So with that, I think it's time to drink. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I Jess, where yeah. are we drinking from today? Well, today we are drinking from Desert Monk Brewing Company in Gilbert, Arizona. Hmm. Hmm monkey sassy um 
So they're dog friendly, which uh, was you know one of the main reasons. That's I, all I, I want. Decided to pick them. Um, yeah. So uh, today, when I got you, because I know that you're kind of getting into reds here and there. I've showed you a couple reds that you enjoy. And... Oh yeah, no, I like a good red ale. I think yeah. um, my first red was the red trolley at Carl Strauss, and I fell in love with it. Yeah, so. I feel like a lot of people kind of had their start from that. That was my first red as well. Um, so you're drinking the Sedona Hills Red Ale. Ooh. It's an American Amber, red balanced. So it's got like caramel malt kind of taste to it, bitterness with West Coast hops, and it's very smooth. Mm. So that's what you're drinking today. I like it. Yeah? Well, I, I hope so. What are you drinking? I want to know. I feel like you're going to be Because I always steal your beers and Yeah, them. this one. Not so much. I picked this for myself, selfishly, and uh, I'm so excited. So I'm drinking the Dario Nitro Stout. What? Imperial Double Oatmeal. Yeah. Why am I not drinking that? Well, just, I don't know. I Because I'll be drinking it anyway. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's whatever. Gonna happen. Like, you're going to drink it. <laughs> it's an Imperial Stout with dry hopped Oreo cookies post-fermentation. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So I'm stoked. And you can have some, obviously. Well, I'm just, gonna, obviously. Yeah, but I want Thanks. some, too. <laughs> Usually you did selfishly ones. pick that. I did. Let me let me do me every once in a while. Uh, okay. I guess let's. It, what's our thing? Is it cracked into it or Hop. are we hopping into We're it? Hopping We're hopping into, into it. it. All right, let's do it. Cause you know, like hops. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, no, I've gathered. Do you get, get it? it? Yeah, I get it. That's yes. that's really good. Yes. Okay, so with the the beer out of the way mm-hmm. i guess it's time yeah. i'm gonna do your resources um our resources for today's story is from close encounters uh which is a book and it's volume one by duncan murphy this is a book that we own and we actually took where did we get it where did we get this book <laughs> because it's one of my favorite places in the world and also that just fits it it's very appropriate for today's mm-hmm. story. Um, mm-hmm. We took it with us to Wyoming. We went to Yellowstone and we got to read it around the campfire and it was super cool. And we didn't pick it up until we were like already on the road. It's not like we planned to pick this book up. So we went to Alien Jerky. <laughs> so the thing with Alien Jerky too, if you love beef jerky, nothing will ever be the same. And jerky just kind of sucks after that. Like... <laughs> You have to, it's just the best jerky I've ever had. Yeah, I miss Alien Jerky all the time. Um, So we got this book from Alien Jerky and it's like on, it's in, I think it's in Baker on the way to, like if you go to like Vegas Vegas at all, like you'll pass it. Um, That's where we got it. Yeah, we got it from Alien Jerky and it was just like sitting on the shelf and I was like, we need this for our campfire stories. Let's get this. It's a solid investment. It's a solid investment. I'm glad we got it. Yeah, no, I'm really excited that we got that. So that's one of our resources today. And Alien Jerky is in Baker. Baker, California on the way to... We were going to Wyoming, so we took that that road. We passed Alien Jerky and we got a bunch of jerky and we took pictures with aliens and we saw flying saucer, flying saucers. saucers. Flying saucers. And it was really cool. Huh? Your other resources today come from... Travis, the true story of Travis Walton, mm-hmm. uh, documentary, and M U F O N 
Travis-Walton.com. So if you haven't already guessed it, we are doing a Travis Walton story today. Um, We decided, even though Travis Walton is is a bigger story, that I feel like it's kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, And we love the story so much. Like, we're so obsessed with it that we just wanted to do it. I am actually bringing you a different story. That is new to me. Right. Exciting. Um, so exciting. I'll be doing something a little different today before Jess hits you with the Travis Walton story. Hit ya. Uh, I'm going to bring you a story from Yuma, Arizona. Oh. And Yuma is 357 miles northeast of Snowflake, Arizona, okay. which is where you're doing your story from today. And I'll do reference points. And I will do reference points from Snowflake, Arizona, when you do your story. So that is about five hours and 45 minutes from Snowflake. Here we go. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. So this story comes from MUFON.com, which is Mutual UFO Network Mm. by Roger Marsh. So the event date for this story was September 1976, and it wasn't reported until September 26, 2014. So this one happened in 1976, but the witness didn't come up and say anything until 2014. So an Arizona witness at Yuma recalls an event from about 38 years ago. Well, I mean, 38 years ago from 2014. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, When a UFO moved close to family members at a drive-in movie theater. The witness was at the drive-in theater with her mother, stepbrother, and young daughter when dim lights were seen in the sky in September 1976. She says, I simply assume the dim lights were that of windows of a passenger airplane. At this point, I couldn't see its shape. Just the lights. Oh. But the object wasn't moving. After about 20 to 30 minutes of glancing at what I assumed were window lights, I realized this quote-unquote plane was not moving, nor was it making any sound, and I realized it was not a plane. I stood up in the bed of the truck and told the others who were with me to look at what I had been looking at. I began pointing at it because they couldn't see what I was seeing. It w- its windows were too dim. Then the object moved closer. It was a very dark object, but the closer it moved, the better I could see its shape. It looked as if it had a wide, huge bell on top of it. When I saw it almost over our truck, my mother and stepbrother still couldn't see it. A lady in the car next to us began trying to see it as well. It moved upward, tilted, And that's when I saw the brighter lights on the bottom of this object. I was almost screaming for them to see it. At that moment, it began moving, wobbling, and began going upward with its shape changing into a typical saucer shape. Oh. My brother at this point said that he saw it. And I said, see, look, this is what I've been looking at for the last 30 minutes. At that time, it began flopping from one side to the other side several times. With each flop, it got smaller like it was moving away. We were both trying to get my mother to see it, and at the last second, she did before it went away. 
It was gone in a breath, but left twinkly sparkles behind it. And it looked as if it had gone through a door and the door closed. That's kind of mystical. Yeah. Like the glitter trail. The twinkly, the twinkly trail. That's kind of bitching. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So that was my little, my account from. Okay. Yeah. That was my All alien right. account. I can get behind that story. It's when you start dropping like actual alien beings in that. Like, Grays. Kinda, and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Terrifying. Well, I guess cheers to the twinkly lights. <laughs> cheers to the twinkly I know. Lights. I was like, that's kind of magical. I kind of want to yeah. see that. I want to see some twinkle. All right. Well, Travis Walton. I'm ready. I'm ready for Travis. Are you ready for Travis Walton? Yeah. I want. I was trying to find him on Facebook because I wanted him on the show. but That would have been dope. I Plus, I think... <laughs> I think he's been, like, interviewed with, like, I don't know. He has. He's been interviewed and stuff, but. He digs it. He's not, like, I feel like he's probably really easy to contact. I just think he's really busy right now. He's he's got a lot of, you (laughs) know, He's just got a lot on his plate. He's got a lot of alien stuff going on. A lot of alien stuff. Um, Got stuff to do. So, yeah, this is one of my favorite alien stories, if I have to pick one. But, yeah, this is Travis Walton. So, let's uh, cheers to Travis. Cheers, boozers. And I'm ready for this Travis Walton story. In 1975, Travis Walton was a 22-year-old forestry worker in the town of Snowflake, Arizona. Travis's best friend, Mike Rogers, was also his boss and also the brother of his girlfriend and later to be wife. Mike had done contract work for United States Forestry Service for nine years. Just like any other day, Travis and Mike woke up for work on November 5th, 1975. On the way to the area of Turkey Springs, they were joined by fellow teamsmen Steve Pierce, John Goulet, Alan Dallas, Ken Peterson, and Dwayne Smith. This day, the team would be thinning out this undergrowth in a 1,200-acre stretch of land. It's a lot of land. It's a lot to do. Because of the scope of the project and because the team had fallen behind, the boys would be working overtime. What was usually a 6 a.m. to sunset job had now gone on till a little after six in the evening. The crew had all piled into Roger's truck to return home in Snowflake, Arizona. According to the crew, as they drove back, they all started to notice a bright light coming from behind a hill just ahead of them. The men drove forward to get a better look at what could be causing the bright light only to discover a very large silver-colored disc that, according to the team, was around 8 feet tall and 20 feet in diameter. It was floating in the air. Mike then stopped the truck only for Travis to get out for a closer look. Travis ran to the craft until he was standing directly underneath it. The team yelled and called for Travis to return to the truck, but Travis was unable to hear. The craft then started to move erratically, jerking from side to side and began to emit strange noise similar to that of a loud turbine. Like a <laughs> haunted turbine. That's exactly what it sounds like. It's haunted. <laughs> it's ghosts live there. <laughs> ghosts live. Ghost aliens now. Ghost That's, aliens oh God. live in the turbine. Ten That's... times scarier, mm. man. Walton began to back away and make his way back to the truck. But it was too late. Boom. Travis was... I'm sorry. No. <laughs> That's so cheesy. Boom. Boom. And then boom, it happened. Travis was hit by a beam of light that came from the ship. 
The men described that Travis was lifted a full foot into the air, like he was suspended by wires. Travis then was dropped and struck unconscious. The crew then panicked and drove off. They thought the best thing that they could do was get help. First off, when when you hear this, you're like, that's, that's like fucked up, right? You like you left your friend out there. He was hit by a beam of light. I've Boom. told you this over and over again, and I will say it again. If there was aliens involved in anything that was going on around me and oh, we were together, I would me. leave you. I know. But I would leave everybody. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you were. I would leave you. They're, we know. Yeah. The crew phoned the police in Herber, Arizona. Initially, the police were told that Walton just simply disappeared and gone missing and that there was fear that something had happened to him. According to team member Ken Peterson, they said this because they feared telling the truth would have only prevented like officers from coming out there. They would just think it was a hoax. Deputy Sheriff Chuck Ellison took the call and met the crew at a nearby shopping mall. He found the story to be more than a little skeptical. He did note that after relaying the actual story, the men seemed genuine in their belief of what had happened. So they're believing them at, or I they're guess not, not, I don't, I don't think they're believing, believing them, them, but they're like, oh, okay, they're very genuine. Like, they're just, they're like, well, this is, it's cuckoo pants because these guys seem really like sold on like this happening. Just very sincere about it's it. Like sincere. it's not like they're messing around or they're not dicking yeah. around. Well, aliens. The deputy relayed the information to his superior sheriff, Marlin, who then told the deputy to keep the men there so that they could be interviewed by himself and another officer named Ken Copeland. Both officers arrived an hour later. After retelling the story, Mike Rogers insisted returning to where Travis was seen last, only to find absolutely no sign of Walton and no evidence to back the claims of what had happened. By late morning on November 6th, the police had scoured the area, and after turning up with nothing, the search grew more suspicious that the abduction story was made up to cover up either an accident or murder. 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 By that Saturday, the news of Walton's disappearance had spread around the nation. On November 10th, in response to increasing suspicions from the police to their story, the crew members agreed to take a polygraph test in order to prove that they were telling the truth. I'm very skeptical. Like, I don't, I don't like know. polygraph texts or tests. I mean, it's so easy to say, like, I don't, I don't like polygraphs or like polygraphs are, you know, the worst or they're not a good idea. Mm. But like, I feel like it's so, if polygraph doesn't go the way you want it, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, they're not, they're not a hundred percent. They just don't seem solid. But if they go the way you want them to, you're like, ah, oh, guilty. Yeah, like, yeah so exactly. I just feel nah. like they're so wishy-washy. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, yeah. I don't know. If I ever did something that needed to have like a lie detector test involved, shit bricks. Because you don't, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't trust them. With the exception of Alan Dallas, whose test was unfinished, all the men passed without issue. After this, Sheriff Gillespie stated that he was behind the men and their story. So now the sheriff's starting to believe him. Five days later, after Travis disappeared on November 5th, he returned. As he claims, he woke up on the side of the road. As he gathered up his strength to stand, he looked up at the craft above his head before it quickly shot up into the sky. As he looked around, he recognized the area as a highway 
some miles west of Herber. He then set out on foot, running as fast as he could. The road was dead, and there wasn't any sign of anybody out at such a late hour. Using a payphone, Travis called his sister and informed his brother-in-law of his return. His brother-in-law then drove down to Snowflake to inform Travis's brother, Dwayne, of the call. Both had doubted the call and it actually being Travis at all because they received so many prank calls. Not only just them, but the entire family. So for your reference point here, the men were doing work in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. Yeah. And Herber, where he appeared, is... 45 miles or 51 minutes away from the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest, which is where he was abducted. Yeah. So some something told both men that they had to follow up with this, this phone call. As much as they didn't want to believe it, something just told them to be there. So the pair drove 33 miles to Herber, and much to their relief, they found Travis alive. Travis briefly described the aliens he had met during the encounter to his brother and his brother-in-law. He described the beings to having white skin and large, unsettling eyes, very short and bald. So that is what I picture, and it's terrifying, but I always thought they were like tall as shit. Instead of being super short. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like there's different. Yeah. I mean, they're not all going to look exactly the same. Like I'd be scared of the short ones too, but. Travis was under the impression that he had only been missing for about an hour or so. Then he was informed that had been five days. This guy was missing for five days. And then appeared 51 minutes slash 45 miles away from where he was abducted. Yeah. That's nuts. That's cuckoo pants. News of Travis returning reached the media, and the phone calls flooded the family members, from the news as well as UFO researchers. Later, Travis would describe in great detail what he could recall from his abduction. Are you ready? I'm ready. After being hit by the beam of light, he came to and found himself in what seemed like a hospital room. He was circled by three beings wearing orange jumpsuits, shorter than five feet, bald with large dark eyes. He said that they almost looked like large fetuses, which is equally as that's disgusting. Fucking terrifying. It's (laughs) terrible. Gross. Right? I don't like that. I don't, I don't like, like it at all. Any of that. No. no. And he's handling it super well. He's just if like, he w- if he came to and there was just three large fetuses surrounding me, I wouldn't talk about it for a very long time. I would not be okay. I would not be okay. Yeah, and this was no. like this is right after he was found again. Brave guy. Brave guy. <laughs> Hashtag. Brave. Hashtag so brave. <laughs> Upon waking, he grabbed a nearby glass cylinder and tried to break it in order to have a weapon that he can use against these things. Yeah, as he should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I want to smash. Oh. After waving the cylinder around viciously, the beings left him alone in the room. They were like, fuck this dude. I'm just like imagining him being yeah. like, like just this crazy, like, ah! And they're I'm like, insane with anger. <laughs> they're like, fuck this guy. We got to go. We, we're getting out of here. <laughs> I get, yeah, like it would be... I would like to hear their conversation. Like, like, I want to know what the aliens are. like. They're just like kind of side eyeing each other, and they're like, "You see this? this, shit? The, this put him back because I don't want to deal with this shit." <laughs> <laughs> he then got up and he left the room, only to find himself in a bigger room 
with one single chair in the room. So I didn't put this in my notes, but um, in an interview with Travis, he said that he actually ended up sitting in this chair. And uh, it's not your chair. Well, you don't, you you don't know anything about this chair. Well, and you're in this foreign place. You don't know what this chair is going to do to yeah, you. Yeah. No. Somebody else's chair. Don't do not do that. Some stuff. Some Goldilocks but shit yeah, going yeah. on. So <laughs> he sat in this chair, apparently, and um, he said that when he was, you know, walking towards the chair, the room got really white and, like, bright. And as he sat down in the chair, like, once he actually put his body into the chair, he saw stars like he actually saw like the skyscape and everything like with stars plant like all this kind of crazy shit and um once he realized like what are you doing like he doesn't know how to fly a spaceship but he pulled this like lever right and all of a sudden it started to, like get bright again and then he got out of the chair and the room went back to normal so what the lever do out. he doesn't know no no so yeah that happened he released the coronavirus onto that all of was... us that got here in 2020. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, Travis. I'm just Thanks, kidding. Travis, <laughs> I'm kidding. So after he, you know, got out of his chair, he found another door that he had not passed through. As Travis went towards the door, he heard something behind him. He turned around to observe what appeared to be a tall human figure. The figure was around his height with blonde hair and abnormally large golden eyes. The figure had on blue overalls and a glass helmet. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just I, like, I'm like, oh, this beautiful, this yeah. beautiful being like with golden eyes and also overalls. Sounds like, a oh. mi- it's a minion. <laughs> Sounds like a minion a little bit. Uh. Travis repeated questions only for the being to motion towards Travis to follow. I'm sure you guys can see that, right? Follow me. Yeah. Motion. Okay. I know you're doing it. I know you're doing it right now, but they can't see you doing that. But I think they can picture it. They can, but I'm doing it. Travis did just that and was led into what appeared like an aircraft hangar. Three more human-like beings were there. Two men and a woman. The woman moved towards Travis and put what appeared to be an oxygen mask on his face. Although he was struggling, he could not avoid it. He found himself asleep again until he woke up returned to earth and on the side of the road in herber right in herber yeah travis went on to marry dana rogers which was his best friend's mike's yeah Yeah. mike's uh mike's little sister went on to marry her and have numerous children and also to publish the walton experience in 1978 travis walton still defends his story till this day so he's still alive Mm -hmm. um like we said earlier on this was Huge. This was a giant story, and um, you know, it's stories die over time, unfortunately, sometimes, and that's why we wanted to bring it to your attention now. I don't, I don't think this one's completely died it's not, out. It's not died out, um, but it's it should still be a little bigger. I'm sure, and like in the actual like UFO community, and you know, it's I'm sure it's still it's huge. huge but unfortunately, I would tell a couple people about this story, and they were just no idea, not one clue who Travis Walton was. Um, so we, that's why we kind of wanted to bring it to your attention today. And, you know, there's also a film, uh, that you guys can check out based off the events called fire in the sky, which, you know, obviously I don't think they were shooting for like the exact story and what, I think they got pretty, pretty close to some stuff. Um, I think the interesting thing in, in Travis's account was that in the real story of Travis Walton, what you just 
read to us was that he came across these like almost like ethereal looking beings yeah. and in the movie fire the fire and i'm sorry fire in the sky fire in the sky yeah. they didn't portray that at all and i get it it's a movie like but <laughs> i think i would have liked to have seen that because what was in the movie i think was way more terrifying yeah. than what he's describing because they I was... look kind of like giant big toes with eyeballs and a mouth yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm more talking about like the crazy when they when he wakes up, when he's there. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to give anything away because it is a good movie. You guys should really oh, go watch movie. it. Um, but they don't put the the beings in there, which I would have loved to have seen, but they do kind of their own little mm. account of stuff. So um, that is a drama fantasy. It's a movie. It's called Fire in the Sky, and it was made in 1993, or it was put out in 1993. There's, I thought it was earlier for some reason. No, it's 1993. Um, there's also a documentary called UFOs Are Real that has some Travis Walton stuff in it that was made in 1979. And then another documentary called Dreamland Area 51 with Bob Lazar mm. uh, that was put out in 1996. There are a couple books you can read on this. Um, there's the actual book Fire in the Sky, which is by Travis Walton himself and it's the Travis Walton experience and it was published in 1996. There's Travis Walton 1975 published in 2014 by Justin Tully and there's also Close Encounters which is the book that we own that we were talking about in the beginning of the mm -hmm. episode. Um, and that actually comes in volumes. It so does. There's, there's so this one's Close Encounters volume one published in 2018 and it's the abduction cases of Barney and Betty Hill, Travis Walton and Antonio Vias Boas by Duncan Murphy and it was independently published. Uh that's a good book. I like that one yeah. a lot. So and then the reference points for that I didn't do at the beginning of the story. I've been slacking on reference points for um Snowflake Arizona is it is 544 miles east of LA, which is about eight hours and 11 minutes. Oof. It's 174 miles northeast of Phoenix, Arizona, which is about two hours and 54 minutes. Mm. And then it's 826 miles from Lake Tahoe, which is what we did our story on last week or two weeks ago. Mm. Uh, which is 12 hours and 58 minutes away from Lake Tahoe. So those are your reference points for Snowflake, Arizona. Arizona is just kind of a hot spot too, though. Yeah, for it definitely is. Alien encounters. Aliens. Yeah, that was a good one. Babe. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That was Stop. A good one. Okay. That was a good one. Thank you. Okay, I think it's time to cheers to Travis. Mm. And if he listens to this, Travis, we want an interview. Stat. That would be awesome. <laughs> Cheers to you. Cheers to Travis and his crazy happenings over yeah. five days. I wonder if he remembers, like, over time, like, I don't know. What do you mean? Like, you know how he only remembered a little bit of it? Like, he was gone for five days and he can't account for all the yeah. five days. Um, I wonder if over time he started remembering just came back to him. and then, like, just isn't talking about it. What a mystery. Okay, are you ready for your ghost animal happenings and your 
shout out for our rescue this week? Am I? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. So, this week, I am doing an animal sanctuary. Yeah. Sanctuary! <laughs> it's a little different than a rescue. So, this week, I am shouting out Great Spirit Animal Sanctuary. Awesome. This is different. It I'm is. I'm excited. So, the Great Spirit Animal Sanctuary is located in Snowflake, Arizona. Wow. Yay. Yeah, I know that place. Also, <laughs> what a great name for this place. The Great Spirit yeah. Animal Sanctuary. I know. They provide a permanent home for unwanted, neglected, and abused animals. They are a nonprofit organization that needs and depends on our support. This beautiful sanctuary is home to horses, dogs, and other farm animals. They solely operate on a donations received basis, which is used for the ongoing care and supplies needed for these sweet animals. Great Spirit Animal Sanctuary's mission is saving dogs, horses, and other farm animals from unnecessary euthanasia and slaughter due to them not being able to find a permanent home. The sanctuary is currently in the process of acquiring 300 plus acres of additional land in northern Arizona to help save hundreds of more animals. Awesome. Good on you guys. But they need our help. You can donate, become a sponsor, or even volunteer. You can visit their website at www.greatspiritanimalsanctuary.org or you can call them at 602-888-2217 or email them at info at greatspiritanimalsanctuary.org Together we can help these beautiful animals live without fear and run free. Aww. So this this place is pretty cool. It's a little different. I was reading that... Um, their pets at the sanctuary are not adoptable. Yeah. So this is one of the ones that you cannot adopt an animal um, from, which, I mean, adopting an animal is always great. But because of these animals' previous situations, mm. um, they don't put them back out for adoption because they've been so traumatized. So the great animal <sighs> sanctuary or the Great Spirit Animal Sanctuary, provides the forever home for the animals. So the, I was looking at their pictures and stuff online, and they are trying to build an entire domed dog house. Yeah. That houses like hundreds of dogs. And then they have all this um, land and room for the horses to run in like the pastures and stuff. And they have like a dog park and a pool. And it's just like huge plot it's of just land mecca for these where these animals can like roam free and like that's live beautiful. and that's my ultimate dream and yeah. my end goal i always you told you <laughs> that i wanted to own like i want eventually to have a puppy farm mm. not to be confused with a puppy mill and i just want a little tiny cottage of a house and hundreds of acres of land so that way i can rescue all the dogs and just let them roam free um and that's my dream. Those will be some <laughs> so. loud nights, I feel like. Oh, yeah. No, a thousand percent. But I'm okay with it. <laughs> and that is your shout out for that. That's beautiful. I, I really I enjoy that. It's that's really awesome. pretty, too. So if you get a chance to visit the website, 
it's gorgeous there and they have the sweetest like horses and goats and they have like all Mm. these other yeah it's adorable that is awesome so cheers to the great spirit animal sanctuary yay okay so next i have your ghost animal story of the week lay it on me so i did a different shout out today so i'm gonna do something a little different for your ghost animal story Mm. Mm. so three hours 20 minutes and 212 miles away from snowflake arizona is the hotel vendome in prescott arizona this hotel has long been considered to be haunted by abby buyer a woman who once owned the hotel before falling on hard times and her cat noble Noble the cat. Noble the cat. We're doing a cat one oh, today. Oh, okay. Um, it is said that one evening, Abby's husband, Mr. Byer, went out to get Abby some medication for her consumption, and he never returned. Abby was so heartbroken and grief-stricken that she refused to get out of bed or eat and died in room 16, along with her cat, Noble, who had also suffered and starved to death. But the friendly pair have been spotted around room 16, in and around room 16, for decades. Guests of the hotel have experienced a soft, unknown presence brushing against them, the sound of a cat playing in the closet, and small imprints of something sitting on the bed next to them. Noble the cat has even reportedly snuggled into bed with some of the guests. So... That is uh, the ghost animal story of the day. It's short, sweet, and we have to go to that hotel. A little snuggle bug. I want some snug. Some snuggle bugging. (laughs) I like it. Some snuggle butts. That's good. Snuggle butts. Okay. I think that's it for episode four. That's episode four. That is our uh, alien episode. I've done it. I'm proud of myself. I am hashtag brave. You are. I'm. You. You made it through. I, I was very brave. You were very brave. Very brave. You get a beer. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> that wraps up episode four. That's so episode four. Thank you, boozers, for barking on by and listening to our alien episode story. I'm Liz, and this is Jess. I am Jess, and we are Barks Brews in a Casket for Two. So if you had fun, liked what you heard, and are dying for more, please rate and subscribe and check us out on social media. Our Instagram is at BB underscore CT podcast. Our Facebook page is Barks Brews and a Casket for Two. Our email is bbctpodcast at gmail.com. And our website is www.bbctpodcast.com. Again, go to our different social medias to find out about our giveaway and get more details on it. Um, Listen to this episode and previous episodes to figure out where some of our favorite places are. That way, you can go there and try to find our flyers that we have posted up and take a picture of them. Post and tag us. That way you can win our giveaway. Our first prize or our our second prize. First prize or our second prize. Mm -hmm. So keep your pups close and stay brewed for our next episode. As always, stay Stay spooky spooky, boozers. boozers.